0: Well, hi, everybody. It is great to see you. Thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Hope you're having a good week and enjoying the snow, the sun, the snow, the sun. It's pretty crazy with the weather patterns that we've been having, super cold, and then it warms up to 60 or whatever. You just never know. But let's enjoy it and breathe it in but it's great to see you. We are in this series called, Who Do We Think We Are? Obviously, it's a play off of those words. Who do you think you are? We are the church. And that means a lot because it's God's church. And I think if we act like the church because we know who we are, many really, really good things can happen in our world. Do you realize the church was God's idea? in order to bring the truth, the message of hope to the earth, it's the church. That's us, so don't give up on the church with all of its imperfections, all of its challenges. Don't give up on it because it's God's and that's what we want. So today, as we look at this whole thing, I wanna, we've called this particular message this weekend, God's plan the big picture, okay? God's plan, the big picture. Have you ever had someone say to you, you need to see the big picture or you're going through something in your life like a trial or a challenge and you say to someone, well, finally, I'm able to see the bigger picture with all of this stuff that's happened. Even with COVID and some of the challenges, I'm hearing people say, Well, there's a much bigger picture than what we see now, which is true, it's always true. I'm reminded of a story that you may have heard before. It's a great story that on a foggy autumn day about 800 years ago, a traveler came upon some workers and they were just across a river called Avon. And he first asked the man what he was doing and the man didn't even look up and he said, I'm laying stones. So the man walked on, he came up to another worker and he said, what are you doing? And he said, without even looking up, I'm building a wall. He came up on the third man and something was different. He asked the man the same question, but the man stopped and put down his trowel and looked him in the eye and he said, sir, I am building a cathedral. And I've I've thought about that story a lot because so often in our lives, we reduce our life down to, I'm laying stones. I'm building a wall. I'm driving a car. I'm going to get the kids. (laughs) I'm going to work. And it's all these little pieces of a bigger picture. And today I want us to look at a bigger picture that God has in mind for you and me. There's a man in our church, wonderful man who so graciously and kindly makes these little things out of wood and he has he's given me several and he's given them to our whole pastoral team and many people in our church family and it looks like this when you first look at it it's just kind of a a blur it's a bunch of wooden pegs put on a black board and you really can't see what it says, but then when you look at the big picture, take a look at the picture. Do you see what that says? I think it's a name. Have you ever heard of Jesus? <laughs> that's, that's the name, but you can't see it when you first glance at it. You have to stare at it a little bit. That's how life is for us. We can't always see what's around the corner. But as we live our lives and we walk in obedience to God, God produces a plan. So I have four or five things that are in an outline today that I want you to follow along. Jot them down if you want to. Some are just real quick and I'm going to read some scripture, but others we're going to stop and talk about for a little while. Number one in your outline, if you're taking notes, is Paul models this mysterious plan. Paul really does model this mysterious plan. He is He's a really interesting guy. We've been talking a lot about him, his relationship to the people in Ephesus, this letter that he's writing to them. Let me read from chapter three. We're gonna read all of chapter three today. It's only like 20, 20 verses or 21 verses, whatever it is. It's not that much, but Paul's saying this, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles. It's worth pausing here and saying, this was unheard of. The the nation of Israel, the Jewish people who, who journeyed with God all through the Old Testament, I mean they couldn't stand Gentiles and Gentiles couldn't stand the Jewish community. This was a huge problem. And all of a sudden God shows up and says, Paul, I want you to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And that's what Paul's talking about here. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, that's the, awakening, that's the awakening side of God. By his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. So I just want to say two things about this opening, these remarks in chapter three. First of all, Paul is amazed at God. After all these years, all the journey, all the stuff he's gone through, he's amazed that God has revealed, quote, unquote, his mysterious plan to me. Wow. I would like to propose one little thought and we'll move on. Do you still have awe and wonder about God? Our culture has reduced God via Jesus to just a component that we sort of add to our day. And I, oh, I've got a cross on. I have a cross on my, a ring. I put Jesus in the grocery cart. I have a little sign in my kitchen on the refrigerator. I have a really cool magnet. Do I recognize that Jesus who is fully God came to this earth to lay down his life so that I could live in eternity with God. I don't want to lose the awe and the wonder of the mystery. That's what Paul's feeling here. Paul is talking about this mysterious God who has plans way beyond what we know. And he has a plan. And Paul's going to get into this. Number two in your outline. His mission, Paul's mission is to explain this plan. That's what he's about to do. And he's gonna take a few words and say, this is the plan of God for me and you. I hope you can receive it. Let's read it in verse six. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Unheard of, for the Gentiles to be told this, possible. Both are part of the same body. What? Gentiles and and Jews are not part of the same body. Sorry, Paul. What planet do you live on? And both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news, this, this new news also. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the Creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. Paul is pretty excited about sharing this news about the plan of God, that it is not exclusive. That's an important point because God's plan is not exclusive. His plan includes you. It includes me. As as humbling as that is to me, God has a plan for my life and yours. I want you to look at the posture in which Paul presents this. And I wanna just give you three little quotes out of the passage that I just read to you. Least deserving of all. That's what Paul says about himself. Paul is a Pharisee who is trained, he's educated, he's respected, he's very high on the food chain when it comes to his credentials. But this is what he says. He says, least deserving of all. That's humility. And humility gets the attention of God. Then he says, he graciously gave me the privilege. (laughs) I, I think about, you know, presenting the gospel or bringing the good news. To view that as a privilege. Some of the early people in the church, especially during the the persecution of Christians in Jerusalem, when they scattered, many many died, many were martyrs. When I look back at that and I think graciously, God gave me the privilege. And that's what those people feel in their heart is it's a privilege to offer everything I have to the kingdom of God. I, I don't know that I live like that, I'm trying but that's a tough one. I wanna challenge you with Paul's attitude. And then he says, I was chosen. I'd like to just remind you that you're chosen by God. You have a sphere of influence that other people don't have. It might be one person, it might be a grandchild, it might be a parent, a cousin, your doctor, your leader, your teacher, I don't know who it is, but you do have influence. And I want you to think about this. God has put you in the middle of this situation that you're in right now. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. It doesn't mean God caused it. It just means that he is aware of where you are and the situation in your life. And he is willing to walk with you through it. Number three, this is a battle plan. This is a battle plan. When I think about a battle and planning for battle, I get a little nervous because when you think of Christians and the church and, and all of a sudden Paul is, you know, calling the warriors together, what kind of battle is this? Is this us putting on swords and shields in Paul's day and going out and taking the land and climbing the hill? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Let me read it. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display His wisdom in its rich variety to all the, listen to this, unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. That, that's the realm of the spirit. That's spiritual beings that we can't see with the human eye. This was His eternal plan, which He carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here, they were worried about Paul. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. It's interesting that Paul uses this idea, unseen rulers and authorities. You know, you can look at this in a a negative or a positive way. What happens in the space around us in the world of angelic creatures or spirits from God and demonic creatures, the work of Lucifer or Satan, is a very real battleground. And I'm not one to chase demons around everywhere and rebuke the devil for everything that happens bad in the world, but I do believe there's a a war going on. And I believe it's a very serious battleground. And it's a battleground that will take you out if you're not paying attention. We now have access to God himself through Jesus Christ. That is powerful. That means that I can be fully restored and fully willing to walk in obedience to God, to do the will of God on the earth in the place where I live. That's practical. So the question that I have for you under this point is, am I living with an awareness that I am living as, dare I say it, bait for the enemy to try to take me out? I wonder if there's something around here. I don't see anything or I would grab it, but how many of you have ever been fishing? Like I grew, up, I grew up going fishing and we loved to fish as a family. We'd go down to Lake Powell and my parents kept a boat down there, uh, a little houseboat. And we would pull up and anchor out or tie on somewhere. And we would catch two kinds of fish primarily, crappie and trout, big lake trout. Like I mean, like 20 plus inches, seven, eight pounds, big lake trout. We use different bait to catch different fish. Satan knows which bait you are attracted to. When you go fishing, you probably, you cast out the bait or the spinner or whatever it is. What is the whole object? The whole object is to trick the fish, to make the fish believe that there is something good over there and I'm gonna go eat it. And the minute it does, it's snagged, it's hooked. That's what the enemy does to us in our flesh and blood bodies here on this earth. That's the rulers of darkness and the contrast of the rulers of light. We are living in a realm of warfare and it is a battleground. And Paul wants us to be prepared for that battleground. So what is the bait? I've thought a lot about this, and there are so many things that, I don't know, I I suppose I could get lost chasing that trail, but let me just throw a few things out for you to consider in your own life. I see a lot of people who have serious emotional needs, and that's the bait. To put themselves out there, to need social media, to need likes, to need people who will respond to their photos, desperately needing attention, needing someone to care that I'm breathing today, someone to notice me, someone to see me. In some ways, I am deeply grateful for social media that it can help people understand they do have people who care. They do have people who will follow and watch and and listen, and I'm happy about that. But I think the need that can be created the need to somehow have this emotional draw that needs the attention of other people. When God is intended to be the source of that fulfillment, it can lead down to a road that gets ugly really, really fast. I see so many relational entanglements right now in our world. Our enemy wants to destroy our relationships. All of them. All of the healthy ones, I should say. Are you even aware of this? Do you think about it very much? When you're tempted, when you get in an argument with someone at your workplace or school or life, family, is there a little thought that comes in your mind? I'm bait. I'm being baited. And the enemy wants me to bite this hook to destroy me and to destroy this relationship. May I just say, guard your relationships carefully. If you're married, guard your marriage. Satan is out to destroy your marriage. Own it, know it. Don't live naive to that, it's true. And that's why the littlest things can start to bug you. And Satan has his way. He wants to destroy our healthy relationships. And then there's addiction. We're in a culture filled with addiction. I mean, I I hate to even start on a list, but it's just, it's the bait. It's a fake way. Now, please hear this. It's a fake way out of your problems. And suddenly it's alcoholism, it's drugs, it's pornography, lust, greed, money, the need to gamble it away. It's It's this search. It's the bait. And our culture has a lot of it out there. And the enemy's playing for keeps. But God has a plan. And God has allowed Jesus to destroy that enemy so that we can live victoriously. Some of you might struggle with self-destructive thoughts. That's been a real issue. In our church, we've seen many people who have never really dealt with depression at this level, dealing with depression in a new way, in a new depth, and suicidal thoughts, and Anger and hate and people living with an angst and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to cast it off. Paul is addressing the fact that Jesus has come to bring the light and to offer himself so that you don't have to chase the myth and bite the bait and get hooked on whatever is destroying you. Fourthly, His prayer is that we will get it. (laughs) Have you ever had someone say to you, man, I hope you get it. I hope they get it. Come on, don't you get it? Paul is saying, please get it. This matters. So let me read verse 14. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from this glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. Now this is a this is a famous verse. Listen to this. How wide how long, how high, how deep his what? Love is, his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. That's how you live victoriously. You lean into the love of God. Who do we think we are? We are the people that God has chosen to bring that love to this earth. Let love live, it's more than a slogan. It's the reality of God's word. Who do we think we are? We are the church empowered by that love to change the evil that exists on this earth. You can trust the love of God and you can be empowered by it because that love we're talking about from God, it's not conditional. So much of our love is conditional. Hey, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. God said, no, I'm gonna love you even if you don't love me back. (laughs) I love that about God. All right, let me wrap up with two quick things. Two concepts to practice this week. Number one, Live as though God does in fact love me. Wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, man, you're loved by God. You are so loved. If you can live as though you're loved, you won't have to chase the bait because you'll have the security that God wants you to have. Some of you are tough on yourself and you can't even receive the love of God because you can't even believe he would love you. But I hope today you will understand he does. The second thing, live as though God has purpose for my life. I wanna get up and I wanna go about my life knowing I'm living in the purpose of God That changes everything. Because I have a reason to get up. I have a reason to lay bricks. I have a reason to build a cathedral. Why? Because there's a bigger picture than my little daily activities. God has his hand in my life and on your life to bring you into those circles and into those places where he can spend you and use your gifts and talents to glorify Him. And then there's this amazing verse 20. I I memorized this as a kid from the King James Version, and I'm not reading from the King James, but this verse talks about how God is able through His mighty power to accomplish more than we could ever ask or think. If you heard that verse, it's worth memorizing it. Matter of fact, we are going to read it together. It's going to be a statement, a proclamation that we make together before we pray today. So I'm gonna ask you, it's it's gonna be on the screen. I'm gonna ask you to just read it along with me and say it like you mean it and you believe it. Go ahead and emphasize it as you can. This is Ephesians 3.20. Say it with me. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now listen to this final verse. Say it with me. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that it's your church. Thank you that we know who we are (laughs) because of knowing you. Thank you for this amazing, mysterious plan of gathering a people, Jews and Gentiles and everything else on the earth. You can call holy, because we become your temple. I pray today that people would understand that, that we would all grasp it. Lord, if there's anyone under the sound of my voice that needs to say, yes, Lord, cleanse my heart, my life, may they do that right now in faith, to know that you love them and you are a good God and a loving God. We pray these things with joy in our hearts, And we thank you that it's your church. And because of that, we know who we are. In your name, amen, amen. I love you guys. It is a joy to serve you. Let's continue to let love live as we listen, connect, and serve. God bless.